So now let's open up an entirely new page, which is pleasure as ethics. Mm. And actually, the essence of pleasure is the notion that when you clarify it, it leads you directly to the most goodness. Yeah. The most ethos. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when pleasure's not clarified, then it explodes and, and generally not in the right direction. But when I mm-hmm. clarify my pleasure, which, which means what is my real desire? What's my mm-hmm. deepest heart's desire? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's very, very powerful. So I'm going to just, just outline just a couple of thoughts on, on pleasure here, which, which will actually give us a framework. So. Mother Teresa probably wasn't having a lot of sex, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But my guess is, and when you read her her writings, in all of the agony, Mm -hmm. her life was filled with pleasure. Yeah. Right? And sure, you, Mm -hmm. you have this woman who probably had never taken course on pleasure Mm -hmm. and undoubtedly had never accessed you know the full tantric realization of her embodiment Mm -hmm. and yet lived in profound pleasure because of the very goodness of her engagement and Mm -hmm. so we have this realization that pleasure is actually much more distributed right and that's that the body is one stunning and sacred and wondrous source of pleasure Mm-hmm. And pleasure always needs to be clarified. So there's always counterfeit pleasure and authentic pleasure. Mm-hmm. So in the body, there's counterfeit pleasure and there's authentic pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, we all, and we can all access that. Even in sexuality, you don't need any religion to tell you that there's actually stunningly beautiful forms of holy fuck, holy sexing, sacred sexing, mm-hmm. and there's fallen mm-hmm. sexing. Right. And that's not because Hindus told us that or because Jews told us that or Christians told us that or Buddhists told us that or, or, mm-hmm. or any other Confucian system or any other Native American system or Aboriginal system. We know in our bodies, oh, this is holy. Oh, this mm-hmm. is actually in some sense fallen. This is actually in some sense Right. So when we say there's pleasure of the body, we don't think that the body per se, without clarification, is the door to pleasure. We think that the body in its deepest clarified form tells us, opens us to that which is the deepest ethos of pleasure. So as I can Mm -hmm. actually know in my body, I should be here. This is Mm -hmm. beautiful. This is where Mm -hmm. I want to be. I'm blowing open. I'm in service of she. She's moving in me, as me, and through me. My goodness and aliveness are one. Or I can know, no, actually, I I shouldn't be here. I'm actually contracted. I'm actually trying to cover up the hole. I'm in a place I shouldn't be in a person I shouldn't be with. 
and not that I need to then castigate myself or, you know, judge myself or condemn myself. It's just like, oh, this is not where I want to be. I'm going to change course. Mm. Right. So in other words, we have direct access. We actually feel it in our bodies. Our bodies know, oh, this touch is sacred. Yeah. And our bodies, this touches, right? And, and so we have to get direct access and listen to the murmurings of the sacred that live in the body. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's but so pleasure is ethics, the but then, and that's one level of pleasure is the pleasure of the body of tasting and feeling, right? Touch and seeing, right, and smelling, right? And there's all of the, the classical five senses. Right. But then there's an entirely next level of pleasure, which is the pleasure of love, affection, relationship, mm-hmm. right? The pleasure of a child, right? right? You can have a child, right? I know, you know, my son, you know, I have four kids. So my son, Zion, who's just 13 now, he's about to be 13. So when he's not feeling who he who he wants to be in his full goodness, right, it causes me enormous pain. So Zion can be an enormous source of pain for me mm-hmm. because he's not happier if I feel that he's, or, or if, if somehow he's not being his best self. So he's a source of real pain. Children are a source of real pain. And yet they're the source of unimaginable pleasure. Right? Yeah. And the same thing is true about relationship. Relationship is heartbreaking. Just listen to any love song. Right? Relationship's heartbreaking, and yet relationship's the source of unimaginable pleasure. And so relationship, now all of body pleasure won't get you any relationship pleasure. Right? And you can have unimaginable body pleasure, but it won't get you relationship pleasure. There's no rate of exchange between them. Mm-hmm. Right? And you can have an unimaginable relationship pleasure without body pleasure as well. Now you can mm-hmm. combine them, which is beautiful, but they're actually distinct levels of pleasure. And all of one won't get you any of the next one. Mm-hmm. Then you can go to meaning. The pleasure of meaning. Right? The pleasure of meaning. That's not the pleasure of relationships. Those are, those are different. Mm-hmm. Right? The pleasure of meaning is its own realm of pleasure. And then you can go to the pleasure of realization. Knowing mm-hmm. your true name. That's different than the pleasure of meaning. Mm-hmm. It's different experience then you go to the pleasure of creativity it's different and then you go to the pleasure of power but power to transform reality itself so i've written up in a in a in a a wonderful book called pleasure as ethics which i said we're about to put out right these six levels of pleasure like wow so all of a sudden we're talking about a much wider realm of pleasure right you know which is why very beautifully in the interior sciences, the yoni, right, is not merely located in the feminine, although it's located beautifully in the feminine and mad devotion, but the yoni is a quality of reality itself. And so the holy of holies in the temple in Jerusalem is described in certain texts of the interior sciences as the yoni. Wow. Wow. Right? Wow. Wow. It's like, and right, and, and a, 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 that realization, right, that, that actually the physical, the embodied physical models the sacred. And so the holy of holies, the inside of the inside, is located mm-hmm. both in the feminine and the masculine, right? Because the, 
the tablets that are in the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies are considered the phallus. And so mm-hmm. both the phallus and yoni are qualities of the Holy of Holies. They're qualities of realization that both live in us, literally in the body sacred, right? The entire bill of human dignities and divinities, the bill of rights of humanity is encrypted in our body sacred. And yet these are qualities of reality, levels of pleasure that live every place, right? And so, and I'm going to say something kind of with your permission, just kind of very, very radical. Yeah, we're in infinite pain. When we're actually aligned with the field of value, we're also in infinite pleasure. And so Mm. there's this, this description of Akiva. I mentioned before, who's the great lover of the, the the biblical or kind of not really biblical, more the the esoteric kind of Talmudic Kabbalistic tradition. And he falls madly in love with a woman named Rachel. And it's the nature of their erotic love that transforms him into a master. Mm. And an enormous amount of text of Akiva and Rachel and, and the nature of her love. And Akiva is the one who says that the Song of Songs is the most sacred book of the entire, you know, Western canon, the, the Hebrew canon. And he's, mm-hmm. Akiva is the one who says that if we had no wisdom, we'd learn all wisdom from the Song of Songs. Right? Mm-hmm. And then there's this moment in Akiva's life where he's killed. And he's killed by the Romans in a very tragic story. And as he dies, the sacred Aramaic text describes, he screams out in ecstasy, one, right, one, right, as he dies, and he dies in radical ecstasy, pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, first, we don't, we don't wish this on anyone, of course. But what the text is saying is that pleasure, in its deepest sense, comes with our radical alignment with value. Right, so you go, go. Let's make this really. Let's go from Akiva dying with the Romans to a much simpler example. Right, you're at the shopping checkout counter, and the person checking you out gives you forty dollars more in change. You notice it as you're walking out. You come back and you return to the forty dollars. They look at you. Their eyes light up. Like, oh, right. They, they just feel like, oh, that's fantastic. Right. Thank you. And they have this kind of trust in the world again, that there's, a, mm. there's an integrity, that we're living in this field of value together. And, and, and you get enormous pleasure from that. It's a great pleasure. You walk out and you mm. feel like, oh, I did good. Right. I did good. So that's the pleasure of value. Mm-hmm. That pleasure of value is its own quality. And so pleasure is unimaginably important. There are levels of pleasure. And we need to actually engage pleasure on all of its levels as the source of ethics. Pleasure mm-hmm. is the ultimate source of ethics. And we generally understand pleasure opposes ethics. Mm-hmm. But actually, in a sense, clarified pleasure is the source of all ethics. Mm-hmm. Like that. Okay, so that's, that's a little bit on pleasure. A little bit on pleasure. <laughs> I hope it's pleasurable. I'm so excited for that book. 
Yay. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It is. It is. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so <clears throat> pivoting a little bit, your book, The Erotic and the Holy, and you talked about the Song of Solomon's um some one of the things that I really, really love about that book and 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 many of your teachings is that you give the meaning of different words, but the, also the true translation of different scriptures. And I grew up in a very religious, dogmatic, fundamentalist where like, it means it's everything's taken very literal, right? right. And that's so easy to do, right? It's so easy to take things literal instead of as a metaphor. Um, but the, you know, the scripture that Jesus is the only way or he who forsakes mother and father. Like there was so many scriptures that were used for power and control in the church that I was raised in. And so um, reading your book and and, uh, listening to your talks has been so incredibly healing for that um, church wounding. Yeah. And Uh. one thing, yeah, I mean, last year, my whole deep dive was into that and uh, your work was, yeah, so much honey on that it brought pleasure in so thank you but one thing that really um was such so beautiful to me was finding out you know you talk about how the word messiah means conversation right oh this is so erotic to me right yeah (laughs) right yeah and so i'd love for you to talk about how to live in eros in our conversations um I think it's so deeply what we're needing. I feel that so many times we are casting someone out and it's like, even in the conscious community, it's like we cast someone out in order to be a tribe. Like they're the less woke or they've got an agenda or whatever it is. And and sometimes it feels like it's how we bond. Sometimes it's, it feels like it's how we have rapture ideology. Like we're the chosen ones who knows, you know, what, what's really there. Yeah. But the, the Messiah, meaning conversation and, and eros, um, how to have yeah, eros alive in our conversations. I would love for you to discuss. Beautiful. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's a, that's a gorgeous, like all of your inquiries, it's a gorgeous inquiry. And, and, and your examples are, are, are beautiful as well. Right. So in conver- in conversation, like in eros in general, we distinguish between eros and pseudo eros. Yeah. Eros is right. That which emerges from my fullness from my direct encounter with the fullness of reality out of the fullness of who I am. So it's the quality, as we said earlier, of being on the inside or the inside of the inside. It's the fullness of presence. It's participating in the yearning force of being, the appetites of cosmos that are clarified, awake, and alive in me, right? It's, it's, it's participating in the, in the eros, which is the movement towards deeper contact and greater wholeness. So those are all qualities of Eros. And with Eros, there's always pseudo-Eros. Mm-hmm. And pseudo-Eros, like counterfeit pleasure, and they're related, right, mm-hmm. is the experience of being so devastated by the emptiness, by the pain of the emptiness, being unable to bear that experience of feeling displeasing to myself, Mm-hmm. That I move to cover over the emptiness, to cover over the whole. And I mm-hmm. cover over the emptiness, I cover over the whole with pseudo eros, right? So mm-hmm. one example, and this is a, a broader topic, which is not the, the topic of this podcast, but, you know, of this particular one, but 
most of the pornographic universe is pseudo-eros. Right? Yeah. We, haven't, we haven't actually developed right, a, a form of public sexing, right, which expresses the depth right, right, of eros and its, its sacred, you know, dripping, gorgeous, holy form. And so pornography is, I feel empty, right? click, 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 right? I get a quick hit of pseudo-eros, and it's pseudo-eros both generally on the part of the consumer and of the, on the part of the people making right, the pornography, right? Mm-hmm. right? You don't have the sense, and this is, not, this is not about a moral judgment of pornography in the sense of, wow, right, nakedness is so terrible. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying right. is the actual experience of pornography yeah. is actually not erotic. It's actually not an erotic experience. It's a pseudo erotic experience. It's a covering up of the mm-hmm. emptiness. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's really to get that is a very, very big deal. Right. And so let's just think about this for a second. So conversation is the same. There's mm-hmm. erotic conversation. And an erotic conversation is not a conversation that you pay a certain amount of money for to talk about sexing. An erotic mm-hmm. conversation is when you're on the inside of the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Where time stands still. Where, where you're not, as you're talking and listening to the other person, you're actually deeply opening and letting that person melt you and love you open with their depth instead of using the time they're talking to think about what you're going to say. Right. And there's an actual flow of eros between you and, and that kind of great conversation. Many, many people will say, wow, that's like making love. Yeah. Right? Right? Truly great conversation is, is, is wholly erotic in the most wondrous sense of the way. It's not even about what we say. It's about, are we feeling each other? Mm-hmm. Are we in each other's presence? Mm-hmm. Are we honoring each other. Are we, Holding the silences. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like that. So a, a gorgeous erotic conversation is music itself, right? mm-hmm. in which the gaps and the silences and the notes, right? And the voices <laughs> synergize, right? Synergize, right? To, to blow open a field and open up something that never existed before. And no great yeah. conversation that's real is like any other great conversation. In other words, in a, in, a, in a truly great conversation, there's something original in the conversation. Just mm. like an orgasm, you can have a repetitive orgasm or an original orgasm, right? So mm. in other words, right, a truly great conversation means it's original, right? It's new, right? It's not so much that there's new information, but there's a new engagement with depth. And if mm. we actually listen to each other, there'll actually be a new knowing, right? Mm. A new gnosis right and yeah. that conversation and so messiah right that original right text that we cited that that you so beautifully adduce messiah is not a mythic image of a man riding a white donkey into jerusalem who says only this gospel of christ is the true one and everyone else is damned no mm-hmm. messiah ability of human beings to talk to each other mm-hmm. and it's precisely the opposite of polarization. Yeah. Polarization in culture means we can't have a conversation. Polarization in relationship. Relationships break down 
we've forgotten how to have a conversation. And really, when you think about it, Jade, right, the essential structure of reality is conversation. Mm. Reality is a series of conversations. So the evolution of conversation, the evolution of Mashiach, of Messiah, meaning the quality of conversation that is the demarcating characteristic of enlightened consciousness, oh my God, is everything. That's a lot of conversation. That's a true mm. amount of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you. I know you. Um, a couple of other Hebrew words that you spoke of, I believe like breast and God had meaning with each other. And then orgasm means light. If I'm not mistaken. Orgasm. Breast is Shaddai. Shad, one uh-huh. of the names of God invokes mm. the breast. Right, which is mm. which is clearly a quality of mother and a quality of beloved. It's a quality of divinity. It's a mm. quality of consciousness, right? And the allurement to Shaddai to the breast is part of the allurement, right, to a certain quality of goodness, right, and mm. beauty. And the word orgasm plays, right? This is already not a kind of formal etymological play, but it just it plays with. Right, the Hebrew words or mugzan, extreme light. Mm. And, and that's a very, 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 very deep idea. It's a very deep realization because really in the experience of orgasm, we're partaking in an entirely different level and field of consciousness. Yeah. A different level and field. And when my partner Christine and I wrote about right orgasm, we talked about orgasm as what's called in the interior sciences, the original light that was hidden and that's only available in states of liberated, full realized consciousness. And so there's a kind of original light in reality, which we access when we go to the inside of the inside, when we go to the depths, right? When we're transfigured, we can actually access, right? I can see clearly now, right? So that light actually lives in orgasm and it's clarified in its sacred context. And in some sense, Wilhelm Reich's attention to orgasm, which KK wrote about in her doctorate, right? Is about this realization that orgasm is holding a field of gnosis, a field of knowing, right? That's unimaginably important. But again, when I clarify it, when I'm actually practicing, because mm-hmm. orgasm, of course, can also become addictive, like anything, right? And mm-hmm. non-original, right? And mm-hmm. boring, right? And 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 ultimately, right, a place I get lost in instead of a place that I get found. Yeah. Right? When I'm really getting lost in a holy way, I'm also getting found in the same second. Mm. It's like that. Yeah, that it's so interesting how it really is um, that gnosis. Like I can, I can be really like torn on something or feeling like tension with something, and I can go into my pleasure practice and ask this question. Magdalene is one of my main guides, and I can you know call on her and I can ask this specific question in Yeshua as well. And right at that peak 
state of orgasm, it's like the answer is so clear. Whereas like before there's like, ah, but I don't know. And then there's this, but then in that peak state of orgasm, it's like the answer is so clear that there's this knowing of like, oh, there's, there's no, there's no way I'm doubting or questioning what I'm receiving in this moment. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, Jade, right? There's a clarified consciousness that's available, right? If I access it, right? Because of course, right? It also can become a completely automatic, right? And repetitive, right? Activity, which partakes in the biological, or it can actually be the context of Holy of Holies, the context of the sacred and the place in which the voice of the divine speaks from between the cherubs above the ark in the Mm. temple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Another thing that I really love about the Hebrew language that you've spoken on is how there's no word for charity and how it's it's more just thought of as justice. Like yeah. the poor person already owns a portion of their money. Right. And that's right. always something that's already been instilled in me in a way. Like I don't know Gorgeous. if it's a past life or what it was, but I man, that really, really resonated. And I'm curious. Right. You're a good yeah, reader. You're a good reader. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if there's a scripture that comes to mind that has been used maybe by um, the West or by the church in one way that when looked at in the direct translation in the Hebrew language has an entirely different meaning or direction that you can share. I know you talk about like Ecclesiastes says, like, greater is the light than the darkness. And what right. it, the translation is like the light through the darkness, which is so much juicier. Right. Right, right. Or let's look at that one. Actually, that's a great. That's a great example. So, so in Ecclesiastes, right? There's this mayitron haor mina choshech, right? Mayitron, so much greater, so much better is haor the light mina choshech than the darkness. But the word min in Hebrew, in the Zohar, in the third volume of the Zohar, picks this up. Min also means from. And so in that verse in Ecclesiastes, it also says, right, how much greater is the chokhmah, wisdom, than sikhlut, than foolishness? But actually, both of them, if you read the Hebrew carefully, can actually mean greater is the light that comes from the darkness, and greater is the wisdom that comes from the foolishness. Mm. And all of a sudden, the world is not as binary. All of a sudden... World's nuance and the world's complexity, right? And the inter inclusion of realms that is the very quality of our lives begins to disclose itself. And, and that's often true. You know, first off, translations matter, and it's good that people translate. You know, I once spent an evening, I mean, a few years back with Coleman Barks. We had, in, mm-hmm. I had invited to, to talk at an event where I was also talking and, you know, afterwards, and Coleman is a beautiful translator of Rumi. He's done a, a, mm-hmm. a very good job. And you know, it's really important that Coleman translates Rumi. It's important that people translate Aramaic texts. It's important that things are translated from the Latin and Greek. So I want, first, I want to honor the great translators. So the Thank great translators, yeah, those are really important. And, and you can get an enormous amount. It's just not true. There's a kind of arrogance of scholars. Right, that you can only get to, if you read it in the original. That's not actually not true. There's there's a lot mm-hmm. of value to reading translations. You have to discern which translation. Right, the difference mm-hmm. between an average and a great translation is everything. And the art of translating is a beautiful art. So blessings and thank you to all the translators. 
Having mm. said that, there's some <laughs> reading when you read a text in the original Aramaic or the original Hebrew, there's 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 an access, there's a transmission, there's a subtle understanding, there's a nuance, right? That's real. You know, one great Israeli Hebrew writer Agnon said that reading the Bible in translation is like kissing your beloved through a veil, right? Mm. You know, not a good idea, right? You mm-hmm. actually want direct contact, right? And so there's a, a lack of direct contact. And so we need actually to invite those people. And I, I love reading an Aramaic text and a Hebrew text. There's a feeling, there's a, there's, a, there's a living there. So we need to invite people who read, whether it's Sanskrit, right? Or whatever the original native language is, we need to invite them into the conversation. Right? Yeah. Because there's there's an intimacy that takes place mm-hmm. when you're speaking in the native place. And the same thing's true of Hebrew. And yes, mm-hmm. there's an entire host of mistranslations that that dramatically change, you know, the you know, the the famous joke, oh, was it celebrate or celebrate? Right? <laughs> it, you know, is 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 applicable here, right? In other words, a text can be easily misread. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And and, and you need to really find right translations to actually feel the sensuality right in the eros of the text. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, Yay. beautiful. What a delightful Thank conversation. You. I'm yeah. delighted. To, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, there's something, I mean, it's not in my direct blood lineage, but there's something um, that I'm so pulled towards uh, with the Hebrew language and, and um, in history that I, yeah. yeah, it's just romantic to me. Um, same with, same with Tantra and, and the, you know, Northern India. So, um, yeah. you brought up, you, you brought up, um, desire a couple of times. Can you explain how holiness is identical to desire? I, I'd say, you yeah, know, thank you. And, and, um, let's say it w- with respect and, and love just a tad differently. So okay. there's desire and there's clarified desire. That's okay. Mm. I want to tenderly, right, with so much love and honor, offer that distinction. Thank you. So there's desire and there's clarified desire. So reality is desire at its core. Evolution mm. is desire. That's what it is. That's its nature. That's its structure. That's its essence. Mm-hmm. When desire appears at the human level, so there's this invitation in the depth of human self-reflection and, mm-hmm. and p- new possibilities of choice that emerge in, in the human experience, we're invited to clarify desire. What do I really want? So that's what we talked about earlier. We said, who am mm-hmm. I? I need to know. Mm-hmm. Where am I? Right? I'm in a field of desire. Reality's a love story. I'm in a field of desire. And then what do I desire? So clarifying what I desire right, is the work of transformation. It's the work of psychological health, but it's also the work of enlightenment. It's mm-hmm. the work of tantric enlightenment. It's the work of erotic enlightenment. You know, we have a phrase in this new story of value we're telling at the think tank, you know, loving your way to enlightenment. It's to love your way to enlightenment. And loving mm-hmm. your way to enlightenment by clarifying your desire. Mm-hmm. I got clarify my desire. I've got to clarify my deepest heart's desire. Mm-hmm. And often, 
my pseudo desire consumes me. What's my real desire? And that's true whether we're talking about the scripts of desire in the sexual. Yeah. Which are often not my desire. So, for example, pornography is actually using algorithms, which are generated by machine intelligence, right, to actually try and reshape my desire. And that's actually fascinating, right? In other words, pornography actually is a machine-generated set of algorithms that find one piece of my desire and then try and then introduce me to another piece. So I, I clicked on that film that had pigtails. Okay, so now that's going to take me down another vector of pigtails, which are going to take me into red dresses, which are going to take me, in other words, it actually is playing with right, the lowest common denominator of my desire. But actually, that's not my desire. There's something which I call unique desire, mm -hmm. right? And Nick and I talk about unique self-sexing. Part of what it is, is is actually getting access to my unique script of desire. And that's mm -hmm. something entirely different. So pornography is actually the exact opposite. That's its paradox of my mm -hmm. script of desire. It's a script of desire that was written not for me. It wasn't written for my own transformation. It wasn't even written for my joy. It wasn't even written for my pleasure. It was written to monetize my attention, mm -hmm. right? To get a certain amount of clicks, right? To drive a clickbait animated win-lose metrics. That's what it was developed for. So, yeah. wow. That's like, wow. So that's not, so my desire is my unique desire. What's my unique script of desire? So that unique script of desire will, will exist in sexuality, but it will also exist in all the level of, levels of desire. How do I dress? Where do I live? Where do I really want to live? What's the earth mm -hmm. and ground that I'm connected to, right? Who do I want to be in a relationship with? Who are my circle of friends? What's my desire for friendship? How have I established my circle of intimate friendship? And by intimate friendship, I don't mean sexual. I mean my friends. But how do, yeah. I, do, I, do I establish that based on I want to be in a certain Burning Man camp because it has a certain social cachet, so therefore I'll, right? So actually, right, I can turn all of Burning Man, right, into a large egoic game, right, covered mm -hmm. up in, in floats. You know, and in, mm -hmm. and in kind of, you know, pretty, pretty costumes, right, of consciousness. But actually, it's a straight egoic desire game where now, and that's true about the church, whether it's the church of the Catholic or the church of Burning Man, right? Mm -hmm. Always, who's writing my script of desire? Mm -hmm. Who's writing my script of desire? Right? Am I writing it? So until I'm mm -hmm. writing it, I'm an idol worshiper. An mm -hmm. idol worshiper. And the, an idolater is one who's worshiping, right, at the altar of desire, who's living the script of desire that was actually superimposed, right, by authorities that are ultimately not aligned with their own deepest essence. That's mm -hmm. pornography, or whether that's the Church of Burning Man, or whether that's the Church of the Catholic, or the Church of of a fundamentalist religion, mm -hmm. or the Church of the Age. Right? And it's where I basically give up my capacity to access my unique node in the larger field of desire. Right? So I need to yeah. actually reclaim my capacity to be self-authoring. Mm -hmm. The source of my authority, which means to be the author of my sacred autobiography, which is my yes. unique desire. Like that. Yeah.
Yeah, living our own story. And, and that's yeah. connected to, right, right, in, in, in part four of a book called Soul Prince, right, the, the name of part four is Live Your Story. Right, so it means mm. I'm, right, right, it's live your story. It's precise. It's nice. And as I'm claiming my sacred autobiography, I'm not living your story. I'm not living mm. in your script. I'm not living mm. in imitation. And idolatry is always imitation in some sense. Yeah. You know, and one of the major figures who, you know, is a key player at the MIT Media Lab, which is a, one of the major sources of how the internet is structured today, right? Pointed out that the way they've developed the internet is based on homo imitans in the human being who imitates. So mm. the internet's geared towards cultivating your irreducible unique desire. It's geared towards actually hijacking your attention through appeal to your lowest common denominator of impulse and pseudo eros. So actually, the act of cultivating, claiming my unique desires is a revolutionary act. Mm. It's a revolutionary act, right? It's an act which says, no, no, I'm standing against empire. I'm not going to have actually my desires dictated, whether by yeah. the point of right, or by the religious, right? And, and the religious, again, of any form, whether that's the New Age religious or the Burning Man religious or the, or the fundamentals. Mm. No, no, I'm actually going to be a revolutionary. I'm actually going to... Yeah. My own authority was in the field right, of value as mm -hmm. the author of unique script of desire. Yeah. 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 It's revolutionary and reclamatory. Yeah. So beautiful. It's huge. Thank you. It's yeah. huge. So there's a few short questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? I would say, I love you madly. Welcome. Mm, welcome. If you could have the whole world read one book, what would it be? Shah, that's a great question. You know, I apologize. I'm not good, doing good on this lightning rod. Because um, that's a oh, very, that's very, okay. it's a very, very question. It's a very good, I mean, it's sad that actually it's very hard to access a book that gives you the field of value and gives you a sense of your unique self. But if the mm -hmm. whole world could read one book, and the sad thing is it's such a, it's a sad question because you'd like to point people to the Torah, the Quran, but you can't, right? Because mm -hmm. in those books with all of their beauty, there's also mm -hmm. so much that, that in its simple reading doesn't reflect yeah. right? what, what reality needs to be right mm -hmm. so that's that's tragic you know so so there's many men and there's many books of course that i don't know so that's a that's mm -hmm. a hard question but i can say there's like i'm gonna i'm gonna take the easy way out you know I, mm -hmm. i've written a couple of dozen you know a couple of dozen books about half of which are published but i'd say if you were limiting it only to my books i'd say yeah. read a return, i'd say read a return to eros which is what oh. i wrote with kk right? yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? You are gorgeous. Hmm. Beautiful. I know your favorite quote is, uh, there's nothing more whole than a broken heart. So I thought maybe you were going to say that. That is one of my favorite quotes. It's a beautiful quote. It's from Nachman of Breslau. And it's true. Yeah. 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 All I mean, right. How can people 
your, oh, your heart. I apologize. I'm saying when your heart breaks, it opens. Yeah. There's nothing more holding a broken heart when your heart breaks, it opens. Yeah. Yeah. And the thought and that that's how the light gets in. Yeah, that's how the light gets in. And thank you, Jade, for your great work. Right. Yeah. You know, trauma and shame and, and the things that you talked about. I've actually, um, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Um, I don't know anything about. It's funny. I got on the phone, and usually, um, I talk to someone for 10, 15 minutes before, and you know, I I know everything about their podcast. So I just saw on my um on my phone, I saw Jade. And I, I literally had no idea, right? Who am I talking to? What's this podcast? What's the name of the podcast? What's the topic, right? What is this about? So, so it was just a delight to meet you kind of with uh, completely, you know, fresh eyes and to feel the depth of your work and your commitment, right? And, and the depth of your reading, you know, you can always, when you meet someone, feel their depth and I could feel the depth of your reading and and just the, the, the kind of the love intelligence of your engagement. So I just, I thank you for you. Yeah. Oh, that feels really good to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Can you let us know um, where people can find your work, where they can connect with you online, follow you on social sure. media? All of that stuff? Sure, 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 sure. Um, one Mountain, Many Paths is a weekly broadcast that we okay. do, you know, all the time, every week. So it happens every week at like one o'clock Eastern time. So everyone's completely welcome to join us there. And if you want to kind of dive in and read, I think maybe Crystal will get you some links to like the erotic and the holy and okay. return to Eros to really start a process. The erotic and the holy is, is audio, audios and, and return to Eros is reading. And just to start with a, a dive into reading and then come find mm -hmm. us in one mountain and with, with great welcome, with great love. Yeah. I love uh, the erotic and the holy. Um, like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of read on the audio the same way that like Ram Dass is becoming nobody is. And so I really appreciate that. Like we get to hear a little bit of your humor and hear you laughing at yourself as oh, you, you. Hear stories. Yeah. That's yeah. Delightful. I'm so Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you thank so you much. Yeah, a great, great honor. And, and, and you know, welcome. You're a new friend, so be in touch with me, with KK. Right? Complete welcome and just mad congratulations on your work. Ah, oh, you guys. That was, I mean, I feel like I just, like, just bathed in honey for the last hour and a half or so that felt really, really luscious for me to be able to sit with him and just, I mean, it was for me, like we talked about a conversation being an era in Eros, being on the inside, being intimate. Um, that's for me what this conversation felt like. And, um, mm, yeah, he also reminds me so much of Ram Dass. He reminds me of my best friend, Shadiac. Um, and, and it just, Oh man, I love, I love those types of conversations that are, they are in, in the inside, fully on the inside. And it's what I desire in my life is to, like, when you talked about desires and what is your desire, I was thinking like, what is my core desire? I was like, is it to serve? Is it to serve women? Is it to, um, 
be the type of mother that my children specifically need? Is it to be the type of partner? Like I was thinking about all the desires and really it, the desire is to live a fully erotic life, like a life of eros, because if I'm doing that, then I am doing all of those other things. Like all of the desires flow from that. And so, um, yeah, I highly recommend that book, The Erotic and the Holy. Um, I love the way that it's read because it is read like Ram Dass is becoming nobody where um, it's basically a series of his talks. And, you know, he cracks his little jokes. You get to hear him laugh at himself. And it's just, I mean, spiritual teachings without humor are basically just another form of feeling of dogma to me. And, and so that humor that's brought to it from these very enlightened teachers like Ram Dass and um, Dr. Mark Gaffney, um, uh, honey to the soul. And then uh, a return to Eros as well. Like that's the other book that is, uh, that he, he suggested that is so good, but I'm very excited for his book on pleasure to come out because I feel like pleasure is so much a part of my specific transmission and those who work with me. Um, Mm, yeah. All right. So I will thank my affiliates. Um, my, uh, site is j-bryce.com. You can go there to sign up for pleasure ponderings, which is my newsletter. You can sign up for a couple of my different courses. The one that is live right now is the pleasure priestess. So the course that I just closed out untamed and unashamed is about, was basically a 12 week journey on removing blockages to pleasure and uh, rewriting your narrative around pleasure. This course is different in that it's it's only six weeks and it's for those who have, they're already uh, in relationship to their pleasure. Uh, they already have a pleasure practice or they're at least um, already feeling available to a pleasure practice. Like um, their narrative is one of, yeah, I'm worthy of pleasure. And, and, and that's something that's sacred to me. And it's some, one that I can uh, commune with the divine in, but show me how. And so the pleasure priestess is a six week journey into how to use pleasure, um, intentionally, how to use it, um, ritually, how to deepen pleasure, how to move it throughout your body to different organs. Um, how to use it to connect to your truth. It's all things pleasure. Um, if you feel that there is still a lot of inner child wounding and mother or father stories in the way of that, then I will be uh, running Untamed and Unashamed again um, in a couple of months. So uh, stay tuned for that. But for now, uh, the pleasure priestess is what's live and I'm so feeling so juicy about it. I'm so excited. Uh, another affiliate is Gene Keys, G-E-N-E keys.com. If you're looking at the, um, your, like whatever you're listening to the show on and you're seeing the image, uh, like the photo of me, the page, uh, the main page of this podcast, you can like scroll down and it'll give you all these links uh, in the show notes. Um, so like the notes to this specific episode will have these links and Gene Keys will be the second link. Gene Keys is like an internal GPS system. The link that is featured is one about how to use your dreams for realization. Uh, if you use that link to go to any other um, page like his course on love, his course on prosperity, uh, this show will still get a small cut to any course that you purchase. And all of his courses, y'all are so, so good. They're, uh, they're just a deeper dive into self using, um, kind of, it reminds me of like Enneagram or, um, what's the other one? Um, human design. It's like using that 
but it goes specifically into different areas of your life, like love, dreams, prosperity, whatever you really want to dive into. So, uh, and I just love Richard Rudd. He's incredible. He's like grandfather Huachuma in skin. And uh, I've had him on the show. He's incredible. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. My favorite is the suction toy. I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg. And you can get both of those tools at wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount there as well. And then all things infrared at higher dose, code Jade75 for $75 off. All of those links are in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me and diving into this conversation, this uh, beautiful, 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 intimate conversation. Thank you for being in it with me. It would mean so much if you'd leave a review, if you'd give me your feedback on this conversation specifically, or if you share an episode with a friend, if someone crossed your mind while you were listening to this, it's likely that they're, they would benefit from hearing this talk. So you can uh, just send this episode along. It would mean so much or share it to your story. I would love to be tagged and to interact with you on social. Uh, you can do that by tagging Untamed and Unashamed Podcast and follow the podcast on Instagram there. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. But we got what it takes for the circle.